1: This is everything elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I may be and a slightly different show this evening because I'm joined by only Nate, aka Epitasis. What's up, Nate?
0: That's right, exclusively Nate and the Nate Extended Podcast family. Um, what's up? Um, I don't. I don't think we've ever done. We've done some Patreon shows, just the two of us, but you and I have never done a two-hander for the main podcast feed, correct? That is absolutely correct. This is Mike's first missed
1: show, I believe.
0: Yeah, he's dropping the ball big time. Uh, I think we need to sit him down and have a talk with him about his work ethic and, you know, failure to show up for important events Uh, because it's becoming a real pattern over the last uh, six to eight minutes.
1: Hey, uh, how about 24 hours? I had to do light all by
0: myself this morning. Uh, No, you didn't, number one, (laughs) because I know nobody discusses this or mentions it or even acknowledges it, but I am on every episode of light. No, I always acknowledge that when we do the the rundown. I don't know. You just said you did it by yourself. And also there are people in the chat saying, oh, it's a solo A, B show. No, (laughs) I am on the show every week, except for the one week where I forgot to do it. Sure. I I just
1: think we're all talking about the beginning of the show where Mike and I usually preview Dynamite. Everybody knows that the vlog quick hits are a Nate-only production. I mean, I think
0: everyone's aware of that. Okay. I hope so. Because otherwise, uh, there's no reason for me to do it, and I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) stop. I had Actually,
1: I mean, Mike's going to listen to this. I don't mean for him to feel bad about this, but I had fun doing Light by myself this morning. I had to vamp a little more than usual. Uh, But I I fucked up uh, assonance versus consonance, so that was good.
0: You heard about that all day.
1: Yeah, a lot of people have pointed out to me that I got that wrong, so I appreciate that. As we discussed on the Patreon show last week, I think Light is our most listened to uh, patreon content which was proven by people talking shit about me not knowing uh what assonance was versus alliteration
0: yeah i do uh there is i i get some enjoyment out of doing the solo quick hits that i do i i don't know if it's because i'm like halfway in like performance mode or whatever but i do find myself like giggling a lot at my own recaps of being the elite even when i I don't know. It's not like I laugh out loud when I'm watching it most of the time, but then when I'm discussing what happens, you know what it is? It's just Carl Anderson talking about his rampant cheating and about how he loves to cheat and he cheats on his wife. Uh, It just makes me giggle.
1: Well, I mean, uh, luckily, Nate, I don't have... uh, I would have to report that. Were you in a relationship currently? I would have to report your response to cheating. That would worry me, I think, greatly
0: yeah well, um, I appreciate you narking on me number one that's I'm glad we're uh, you know you're a true loyal friend, and you would just immediately rat me out that way. I am good the to, f- good to know for for a future reference.
1: <laughs> yes, you should know that no, I mean, well, no, I'm not going to get into uh, how I view loyalty when it comes to my friends cheating on their partners. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's a good thing for me to discuss stay away publicly all right, uh if you want to know more about what I think about. My friends cheating on their partners. You can follow us on Twitter at everything aew. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis, and of course, the missing Mike is at Fuji. Heya. Mike is actually was at the show tonight, so I think there's going to be some Patreon content with Mike and Drew talking about the live experience. Uh, so follow Mike on Twitter, and I'm sure you'll. Well, actually, there were some live reports on Mike's Twitter tonight, so go check that out. Subscribe to the podcast. Just search Everything Elite, whatever podcast app you use. Hit subscribe. You get these episodes as soon as they come in. I'm going to be the one putting it together tonight. So God only knows what's going to happen with this episode. Uh, If you use the Apple Podcast app, give us a five star rating and review. And we've basically already done an ad for patreon.com slash everything elite. But please go there. It's the best way to support our show. Despite this being a two man endeavor, we will still begin the show with elite or delete. I have to say I probably should not admit this. Did not listen to the show that I missed uh, a few weeks ago. Did, was did you guys do the format of the show differently?
0: No, did the did the format the same? Um, I think I pulled out like two additional elites or deletes from our Discord to to fill some of the time at the top. So I don't know if you've earmarked a couple of those, but that uh you know we pretty much yeah I, I thought it was a pretty good show. I enjoyed it.
1: Okay, excellent. Uh, I'm willing to believe that's the first episode I've missed, because when we were in Japan, when I came back, I did uh, check those shows out. Uh, but as I think I've said recently, I've basically stopped listening to podcasts, so I'm certainly not going to listen to my own podcast. Seem to that would be
0: uh, narcissistic behavior, probably. <laughs> if I listen
1: to no podcast, but ours. except you your
0: own. <laughs> well, it's just that ours is the best, and none of the other ones compare.
1: That's right. That is true. Okay, well, let's talk about what we really liked from the show tonight uh I'm I'm going to let you start it off Nate so tell us what your elite pick is
0: oh this is okay this is unusual I guess cuz we're missing Mike but I'm going to start off the elite segment here uh, I thought the probable best thing on the show or the best indicator of AEW's various successes was the segment they did with Kenny Omega and Tony Schiavone in the ring doing an interview um, And being interrupted by the Dark Order, Evil Uno, to come out and continue to advance this plot where they are setting up Kenny to face, uh, presumably, Adam Hangman Page. Uh, I thought this really was executed well. The crowd reactions were fantastic. Um, Most importantly, the crowd reactions sort of, you know, pushed and bled right into the story that they were trying to tell. Uh, And... You just had a lot of elements that all work together. And uh, it's a great indicator for Adam Hangman Page that you have like, you know, a genuine. I don't know. Do you call it a grassroots desire? Because it's not like they haven't pushed Adam Page and wanted him to be in this spot. It it just, you know, it felt organic. It didn't feel forced. It was like the crowd really wants Hangman Page in that spot. They let him know about it immediately. And, you know, the promotion gave Adam, Adam Hangman Page and, you know led him to believe that that's the the story that we're still on. Um, so that was great. You had, like, one of those great, like, pro wrestling kind of mechanics where, you know, there was a big schmaz, You had the Dark Order brawling. You had the Elite out there backing up Kenny and all this shit. Uh, and Adam Hangman Page comes out. I keep adding the Hangman in there. I'm being very thorough about that. You know, clears house, throws one guy over, you know, knocks gallows over the, the other side of the ropes. Great baby face fire uh, in that spot as usual. Uh, and then he climbs up to the apron at the exact moment that Kenny Omega kind of stumbles back toward the center of the ring to set up his finisher, which he then doesn't go for. But, you know, it peaked the crowd perfectly at that moment. And that's kind of a thing. You know, you can't do a moment where like two people stumble around and come face to face and have a big, meaningful face off in like movies because, you know, it, it, it's just not. Organic you know, it's all like manufactured, and you don't have the actual experience in the crowd of like "Oh, Kenny's over there now, Kenny's in this spot now. Kenny's walking, and then all of a sudden, you know they both arrive at the exact perfect spot at the same time. This is kind of a unique pro wrestling storytelling thing, uh and it's fun. You get a big pop, and then hangman doesn't hit him right away because he's you know still anxious or whatever the hell it is. Uh, so that was cool. I liked it, and the crowd reacted just as you would want them to. It seems like we're, you know, the the Adam Peg Hangman page world title push uh, continues apace. Yeah, it's interesting. I think we talked
1: a lot. Like, certainly there was discussion about whether Hangman had been cooled off, whether they'd kind of missed uh, the boat with him at one point during the COVID era. And frankly, we just could not know how the crowd would react when they finally got back in front of live crowds, especially on the road outside of just Jacksonville. And we got a sense when they first let fans into Dailies Place, like bigger fan, you know, bigger crowds into Dailies Place, that Hangman was just as hot as ever. And that continued here in Miami. It, it seems that basically the crowd reactions just kind of picked up where they left off from the last time we had crowds. And then there's just new people who are also getting big reactions who maybe wouldn't have before, like, you know, John Silver or the Dark Order getting a big baby face reaction. I think all that is COVID era, if I'm not mistaken. So that was interesting. It's also good. I The point you say about it being organic is interesting because obviously Heyman was the handpicked guy to, I don't know if he was going to be the first champion or not, but he certainly was handpicked to be the first AEW guy, as you have ably uh, said on this podcast. And that could have backfired in that it kind of felt like he was thrust into this main event that he wasn't ready for and he lost. And then you've had a lot of the will he or won't he hangman stuff that we've talked about. But I think once he kind of latched on with the, with the Bullet Club, uh, not long after that, the fans just kind of took to Adam Page, You know, whether it was Ring of Honor fans, even uh, New Japan fans a little bit. And I think the, but especially American fans have latched on to Adam Page, because, well, I don't know if this is true or not, but it strikes me as like, in a much different way, like a Daniel Bryan thing, in that he just seems like a nice guy. I mean, it turns out Daniel Bryan is like dumb as fuck, <laughs> uh, but he seems like a nice guy. He seems like he could be you, right, or or your friend, and so I yeah, I'm really into that.
0: Yeah, I think there is, you know, he's, um, he's pretty measured in like his social media use, I think, and and pretty savvy about that. So that certainly helps. Uh, and yeah, I don't know if it's that he's, you know, he's not undersized compared to the rest of the roster. Like Daniel Bryan was like, you know, he, he's as tall or taller than Kenny is. So it's not like that's a thing. He, he, he just kind of has some kind of underdog element, I guess, um, and uh, natural likability, and like the the cowboy thing, is like a good wrestling throwback uh, that also you know seems genuine and not forced. So yeah, he's got all those things working in his favor. Now this was a hot topic of discourse uh, in the recent week, uh, and of course, listeners of this show know we love to do discourse. We love to address what people on the timeline are saying. Uh, do you think Adam Hangman Page fucked up by not staying in New Japan uh, and and waiting for his big push from Gato?
1: um no 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 i don't um mm. i think i mean that's just your new japan stands saying that right i mean yes i'm am,
0: i'm am specifically referring to uh one tweet by the new japan fan club unofficial north american chapter sure replying to adam page where it's like yeah yeah you're doing pretty good but oh, man if you'd stayed in new japan you really could have been something man uh and it was like hmm, i don't know it seems like Might be a better gig uh, getting huge reactions in your build up to a world title challenge uh, in your home country, making a bunch of money.
1: (laughs) Right. It seems like, well, and somebody made this point, but he also apparently could have walked into WWE for a lot of
0: money also. Ooh, ooh, I can tell you who made that point. Okay. It was me. Oh, was it? (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yes. Go figure. I remember seeing that, but I recall that they offered him like, go on Raw, big money, right? To, to come to WWE.
0: Yes, yeah. Um, might have even been involved in that thing where it's like, oh, and you have a, a, an option to walk out after six months or something.
1: Yeah, So I, but I have another a discourse question for you, Nate. This is where I thought you were going. Oh. Uh, you're familiar, of course, with the Hangman thread that has been out there.
0: Uh-huh, we discussed on the Patreon recently. We did. Uh, the Hangman himself.
1: Uh, Quote tweeted the thread and said something to the effect of, I hate when assholes like this try to something theorize about my life like I'm a circus performer or something like that. Uh, There's been a lot of discourse about whether this was in character, uh, whether he's working with this tweet. What did you take from the hangman quote tweet?
0: Oh, I thought it was uh, the exact kind of savvy social media stuff uh, that I already praised him for. where. He is boosting a thread that your more normie, less cynical, more positive AEW and wrestling fans are going to enjoy and dig their teeth into and being like, yes, this is the storytelling. This is the lore. This is why I love AEW and Adam Hangman Page. He's boosting all those things, uh, but he's also playing it cool in character and being like, ah, this guys, an asshole. He read all this, you know, uh, uh, fan fiction about me or whatever. Uh, he just puts a little bit of an edge on, so it doesn't seem like he's totally, you know, engaging in uh, you know, the, the the awful, possibly corny wrestling Twitter behavior or something like that.
1: He's not being Cody, is what you're saying.
0: Hmm. Cody
1: loves if there's a piece on Voices of Wrestling about Cody, Cody oh. loves to retweet it and talk about how good it is.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I think most guys do that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Kenny will definitely do that. I'm reminded of uh, Frankie Kazarian recently retweeting an article somebody wrote that was like, this Frankie Kazarian promo is a contender for promo of the year. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, there was also some discourse about uh, major pro wrestlers demanding little news with the Z to delete articles that are at all critical of them. Uh, these guys are all extremely online. They're all very gotten to, uh, and anyone that, res- that expresses the littlest bit of restraint with their social media use and this sort of thing, uh, it gets a lot of points from me. That's those leftist yanks, you know, just, uh, loving hangman's tweets. Hey, I, I love them. Cause I, I love a good worker who, uh, you know, knows how to, knows how to work the important influencers.
1: The intriguing thing to me about the is this post in character is that it requires him to still be, like, very anxious and, like, unsure of his success and his his place in the promotion. But doesn't he have to be getting over that for this story to play out that he beats Kenny Omega?
0: Yeah, or that's, you know, that's when he beats Kenny Omega is he stops being anxious when he has the title or whatever. And he, you know, uh, finds a new confidence and power for the power of friendship.
1: Uh, sure. I mean, there, I don't mean to be like this guy on you, but there, there is a John Calipari quote, which is confidence is just proven success.
0: So that's very insightful. Sounds like a, a great thinker and man.
1: Yeah. Well, he, that that's true. But you know, I, you're onto something that, cause I was going to say, you kind of have to kick this problem to win the title. And I think you and coach Cal would say, no, you have to prove that you can do it to uh, instill confidence in yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's, I guess. Yeah. That, that's what confidence is. I guess there's fake confidence and there's earned confidence. Right. Um, and you have to be confident on some level in order to succeed, I guess. In in the kayfabe world of Adam Page?
1: Yeah, I was just I was just thinking about that, whether this made sense with his character.
0: Right. It is a thing where it's like, oh, well, once he wins, are you in danger of taking away the thing that appeals to people about him? Are, the, are all his fellow anxious millennial cowboys going to go, ah, that <laughs> guy fucking got his life together and won something, and now he's doing really good and he's got his confidence and he's got a child on the way uh, and then they all turn against him. Um, is that what happens? I don't know. It is, there's, a, there's a tough next step to find. But that's true of all
1: underdog baby faces. I mean, the question is always, is this person better at chasing than being chased? Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's unique to Paige, but it will be something that they'll have to contend with. Uh, you know, similarly to a Darby uh, or
0: or Daniel Bryan, as we talked about before, that's you're right that that's uh, universal to underdog babyfaces. I think Adam Page is a little bit of a unique underdog babyface in that most of those guys believe they can win. Daniel Bryan, you know, went and wrestled Triple H and Evolution and all those things, believing he could win. Not going, ooh, I don't know if I'm ready for this. So it it is a little unique that way. I think that's a fair point. Yeah. So does he lose that?
1: Shine if he suddenly believes he can win. Like, does that change the Adam Page
0: character? Well, yeah, and it's funny because <laughs> I always put over his babyface fire on the sh- on the show and his big, uh, you know, babyface shine segments where he does the lariats and the dive to the outside and the dive to the other side. Um, and like, there's no <laughs> there's no trace of the anxious millennial cowboy in any of that stuff. It's just like, oh no, I'm a cool babyface with long blonde flowing hair, uh, and I'm on fire, and I'm kicking ass right now. Um. So those things are a little bit in tension. Um, yeah. All right. I decided instead
1: of, you know, like pulling other elites, we would just uh, talk more about <laughs> about our own picks. Cool. See what happens. All right. My pick, I'm going to uh, stay on brand here. It was the, the Darby Allen Ethan Page interview segment. That's my pick.
0: brand is the big Ethan Page liker.
1: That's right. Well, I was arguing, I don't think I was arguing, but I was talking with someone in the Discord last week about Ethan Page promos. And I think they've been pretty bad in AEW, but I, I think Ethan Page is a pretty good promo. I mean, he cut a lot of good promos in Evolve. You know, I think about building up to like a Zack Sabre title match. Uh, you know, he was, he was compelling to the point that Aaron Taub and I were, were dying for Ethan Page to become the Evolve champion. We thought it uh we thought that should happen. So anyway, I must
0: have, I must have blacked this part of the the podcast out of my memory.
1: Well, it was a big tab take was that, you know, you're killing Ethan Page. He he needs to win the title. And apparently, as we learned on the Bitter Boys Club, Ethan Page was saying the same thing uh behind the scenes. So, the point being, I've always said that this was going to be I didn't really care about Ethan Page, but I knew they would get to a cool match with Ethan Page and Darby Allen. And they really uh, did a great job. I'm glad they had the extra week, not obviously because of the circumstances that led to having the extra week, but they pulled off this great interview where they very ably played on past that happened outside of AEW without leaning on it too much, but they perfectly told the story. Nate, you talked about how you had this Santana and Ortiz and FTR story that they couldn't really tell, and it took Conan coming in to really tell the story. Ethan Page and Darby Allin did a great job of telling the story that exists between them, which is essentially uh, Darby was a guy who made it quicker than Ethan Page did. And Ethan Page is pissed off about that, period. He doesn't think Darby deserves to be where he is. Beautiful. Let's have a wrestling match about it. That sounds great. I thought they did good here. JR was not annoying. My like, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but my difference on people who are like, JR would be fine if they just put him in these sit-downs. I think he's awful in these sit-downs, too. I I think he should just go away. But he was fine enough of, you know, staying out of it here, and Paige and Darby did a great job building this match.
0: Yeah, JR was like a non-factor in this, pretty much. So I guess he didn't detract from it, so that's a positive. Uh, But yeah, I thought this was really good. Uh, We did pretty much, I think, totally whiff on the postponement of the coffin match when we discussed it last week, uh, but that was probably a smart and sensitive move by the promotion to push it to, uh, the next show. Uh, but yeah, I think it benefited from having this segment in here to build it up a little bit. It gave Ethan page some justification for why he is immediately come in and targeted Darby Allen, uh, which I don't know that it was clear before, obviously, uh, you know, the one Ethan page story is that he's, uh, unhappy about his spot in a promotion. So that's where they kicked it off with him entering and then you know finding an ally in scorpio sky but now we kind of see why that's so laser focused on darby and yeah it played on true events that of course we're familiar with from having followed evolve both guys seem genuine i thought it is kind of tough i think to have a talking or promo segment or whatever it is with darby when Darby doesn't fall into pro wrestler cadence where he's like, "I'm doing this," and I talk about this, and the, the fact of the matter is this, 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 and now I stop talking now. you start talking, you know he he kind of displays it a little more naturally, uh, but Ethan Page, I think, did well in letting him lay those points out, uh, and they all felt sincere and real, and then he responded, and he said, "Yes, he's absolutely right, uh, and here's why I'm pissed off about it uh yeah, no, it, it was a, a positive addition to the feud for sure and You know, it has been hard for me to find complaints to make about Ethan Page since I, since I, you know, gave the whole roster amnesty. So hopefully the train keeps rolling on that.
1: Uh, Some people were surprised that the word evolve was not uttered during this segment. But did that surprise you? Because AW does talk about a lot of other wrestling promotions on Mm -hmm. its TV.
0: You remember during the build to the Young Bucks versus Page and Omega match, they did a sit-down, and I think they bleeped out Ring of Honor, I think, or bleeped out WWE. They bleeped out one of them. Um, it has been... So I guess maybe if you're the competition, then they won't talk about you. Uh, WWE does now, of course, own Evolve, the Evolve brand, Gabe Sapolsky, all those things, not that they're seem to be doing anything with them. Joe Gacy seems to have graduated from Evolve holding contract to Triple H mark pick. Um, so that seems to be the lasting legacy of Evolve. Um, yeah, I guess I didn't really expect him to say it. Because um, it doesn't, the people that it would amuse are like us and like uh, you know, 60 of our followers or something. And everyone else would be like I don't know what the fuck you're talking about.
1: Yeah, I didn't see any reason at all to mention Evolve. Uh, plus, you got two guys who fucking hate Gabe Sapolsky. And I mean, <laughs> it's Page and Darby Allen, not me and Nate. Uh, so no real reason uh, to do that. Uh, and yeah, who? I mean, you did have a whole crowd of people who apparently are up on the latest uh, TNA storylines or Impact storylines. Right. But I can't imagine too many AW fans know, you know, about Darby and Ethan and evolve. Just just my guess.
0: Yeah, that was a trip. The big <laughs> Impact storyline canon chant for Don Callis was like, these people are following the Impact story that doesn't Hmm.
1: I want to be clear that I learned that was an Impact story in the Discord after the chant began.
0: The people m- making that chant have to constitute what like A 15th of the total impact audience.
1: Uh, Well, yeah. What? Like 35 people watched impact last week.
0: There you go. All those people were in Miami tonight.
1: (laughs) Sorry. I don't mean to repeat, uh, Brandon Howard Thurston's Patreon reporting. I don't remember exactly what the number was.
0: That's, you know, it's not a privileged information. Once it's been reported, you can report that it's been reported. That's true. That's fair uh listener elite so we're we usually do
1: our live streams on youtube uh but mike sets those up so we're on twitch tonight we've got a someone in the twitch stream i literally don't know who they are that's right we don't know how the twitch handles match up to the
0: <laughs> discord handles we're used to
1: no so i'm very confused about
0: that but i've decided to just oh wait i have a guess from from the the city that's identified here
1: yes that has also given me a guess but you know we'll see. Uh, So, Twitch chatter, I also tried to respond to ask and realized I don't have a Twitch account, so I couldn't even uh, respond to them. But Twitch user Seattle Fern, who is in the Twitch chat right now, says, A strong AEW debut, Malachi Black with a cool first appearance, complete with a fun blackout fakeout during the Cody Strap Match.
0: Okay, yeah, let's talk about Malachi Black. Sure. Uh, It was executed well. I think um, for the most part, the, they did the, the blackout fake out during Cody's match. And of course, as is tradition in AEW, you usually make your debut by attacking or turning on Cody Rhodes. So uh, when you got your second Cody segment of the night, they did another blackout, but this one was real, of course. So, so nice continuity there. It was good to have a blackout that resulted in, a surprise of some import appearing and not some of the disappointing blackouts they've done in the past. Uh, and I have, I, you know, I've always liked Tommy Inn's cool spinning kicks. Um, he's, well, I'll do a, com- I'll do a comparison, uh, in a minute. Uh, but you know, he did a cool looking spinning kick to Arn. Arn took a bump. He took a cool looking spinning kick to Cody and Cody got laid out and the crowd pops huge for him. So those are all positives. Um, He also put out a a fan film on his Instagram or whatever today where he's uh, a guy trapped inside a spooky mental ward MySpace bulletin from 2003. Uh, And he turns into a puppet and he does some murders and he breaks out of the cage and he's crazy and dark and spooky and he's being possessed by a demonic entity. Uh, And so he's got the Mojo Raleigh face paint on his face because he's got the demon inside of him. And all that shit sucks. It's so cringe. I hate it. Uh, He could so effortlessly just be cool. And if he was just like, hey, I've got fucking cool devil tattoos on me. I'm uh, from a weird place in Europe. Uh, I do cool kicks. I can hang out at sketchy MMA shows in Amsterdam or something. Uh, And that would all be better than being a poor man's Matt Hardy uh, with a different demon living inside him. that's where I stand on on Malachi Black.
1: Yeah, it's like, it's very uh, Fiend-esque. It's like the Fiend. And I was going to give them credit for, say, I was going to say, credit to them for making uh, Malachi Black post this on Instagram instead of like putting it on their TV. But then I remembered that Excalibur was like, oh, that's not Tommy In There's something twisted about this guy. It's like, oh, no, they're, yeah. they're going to put this shit on TV.
0: Yeah, there are people in our mentions going like, what are you talking about? Demonic possession. Um, and it's like, can't you see the Mojo Raleigh face paint on here? It's a clear sign that he's got a thousand year old demon living inside him.
1: Yeah. And um, also, watch the fucking product. Uh, go on Instagram and see it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Watch the Instagram product. Uh. It is. I don't know how they ended up with out of this married couple. They got Tommy End, and then hey, Trader Dad just went back to WWE. It's not associated with Andrade, but just went back to the company that uh, fired her in um, I, 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 hard to say what kind of fashion. That fired her for wanting to earn outside of her contract, which is, in which she's supposedly an independent contractor. Uh, and then just went back and like Reappears in an ad break or something and then loses the match. I, I'm, these pieces are very confusing to me.
1: Uh, PW Insider is reporting that when Tommy End was moved to the main WWE roster several years ago, the company failed to update his contract from the standard 30 day non compete the NXT talents get to the 90 day non compete that main roster talents get. So they just oh. fucked up. And that's what allowed Tommy in to be free and clear to show up on dynamite.
0: Great scoop. Um, Robert was talking about how he, this was the big story that he couldn't tell. Uh, but apparently PW insider told it. I, I don't know what PW insider says. Cause they have me blocked. <laughs> uh, cause I, they, they name search the website.
1: Oh, really? I know it. Thanks to someone posting it in a DM, but, uh, cool. That's the reporting on, on how Tommy End was able to show up on Dynamite tonight. But as you said, I'm, I'm very concerned about where it goes. But a cool debut and one of the better AEW debuts.
0: Yeah. So Malachi Black. He took Black from Alistair Black. Tommy End is just a cooler name. Yeah. Malak- you, get, you get the you get the cool tommy 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 fucking end yeah that was Great good chant
1: malachi black just is very tna of like taking the wwe name and just adding you know making it a little different don't really like that
0: yeah so uh tommy and malachi black at this point just a poor man's Arisa hoshiki because uh has got cool kicks and the cool kicks you know do most of the work for me as far as ring work that's Most of what I really care about, Um, you know, give me a couple of cool kicks in there and I don't care what else you do. Uh, But of course, uh, Malachi Black does not have his own pop band that records idle videos on the beach and, you know, have cool gear and look cute in the ring and all these things. He's just uh, a MySpace Bulletin from 2003. I think some people think he's cute. Uh I you know I have to see him without the Mojo Raleigh face makeup. <laughs> I
1: think that's fair. Uh
0: certainly the Mojo Raleigh face paint is something he could
1: shave off. And today's episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Our go-to for men's below the waist grooming products. Manscaped new product alert. Nate, give me the give me some sirens.
0: Um wee-oo, 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 wee-oo. All right. How was that? that was that. That was better than Mike's,
1: right? <laughs> it was. It was something. It's time to stop, drop, and order this brand new shaving kit they just launched. So they got the ultra smooth package. It's a specialized groin shaving kit. So you got the crop shaver, the crop exfoliator, crop gel. You got to crop that bush of yours. Uh, we got a discount just for that. It's twenty percent off, free shipping at Manscape.com with the code. This is so on top of the electric ball hair trimmer that they have. They now got this smooth package to help you uh, get it even smoother and even closer shave. You exfoliate, you get yourself cleaned up. You use the crop gel, uh, which helps you see where you're shaving because it's clear. The clear gel you see right through it. Uh, It's got four essential oils. And then uh, it's time to shave. They got the crop shaver. It's got three precision blades, extra wide lubricating strips, a pivoting head. You need a pivoting head for shaving your balls. It's a delicate place. And it's also smaller, thicker, uh, has a micro comb bar, allows for the best shave possible. All these products are vegan, cruelty-free, and sulfate-free. I, I do have to say, I'm curious how a, a razor would be non-vegan. Any thoughts on that?
0: If the blades were made of shark teeth, I think I think it's pretty obvious.
1: <laughs> You're right. I fucked up. Uh, It's time to get up close and personal with the best tools for the job, the Ultra Smooth Package from Manscaped. You get 20% off and free shipping with the code THISIS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code THISIS at manscaped.com. Smooth it out, fellas. With Manscaped, your balls will thank you.
0: I have more. I have the delete half of, of Malachi Jackson. I have more thoughts. Malachi Jackson. No, that's that's the younger <laughs> Jackson brother. <laughs> OK, I, at least that's a guy. I didn't just make that up. Sure. Um, so I guess Wait, I is, mean, this is these this are not for delete or. No, or maybe I, I just have more thoughts on. <laughs> All right. Malachi Black. We're cooking um, here. So there's certainly a place in wrestling for spooky goth people. There are a lot of spooky goth wrestling fans um every time that i've seen jessica havoc live i'm always shocked by how fucking over jessica havoc is because there's just a certain subset of wrestling fans that loves you know uh gas masks and black everything black latex and you know all these things so i think you know that's great It that's great for wrestling that's great for great for a character a a crowd to which Tommy End can appeal to just being Dutch Muay Thai spooky Satan guy. That's, you know, but he can do those at the same time. The stuff with the the fiend and the devil possession and Matt Hardy has the thousand year old entity inside him and uh, you know, Malachi Black is the spirit inside the vessel of Tommy End, just like the fiend is the spirit inside Bray Wyatt is the spirit inside Husky Harris. I Has that ever worked to a, a, a significant de- degree where it's like been good for business or been good for a guy's career? Um, did no, no recent examples come to mind.
1: No, everybody says it's like it can succeed because the undertaker succeeded. Like that's always the, the talking
0: point. Right. And then the- and even then his, his, even then that's his you know the undertaker gimmick is such a diet version of that it's like uh, he's he's an undertaker he has a spooky mortician as his manager uh you know he, he's the dead man it's like oh he acts like he's a zombie sometimes that's like pretty different from what the fiend and this shit has become
1: yeah it's very different and it also surprises me when people uh, then try to bring Sting into this discussion also. Like, there wasn't anything spooky about Sting.
0: No. He just the, hung out in the, the rafters
1: it, and painted his face.
0: Yeah, his Starcade 97 entrance was a little spooky with, like, the laser face, um, but that was obviously just technology. Uh, and, uh, the other point against Tommy End, of course, his uh, insistence on going on this platform Twitch and talking about how much Vince loves him, and Vince loves his terrible lore ideas, and you know uh they only fired him because whoever else had it out for him um, meanwhile, you have you have guys like the former aforementioned Mojo Raleigh, who goes in the interviews and is like, "No, that face paint shit was fucking stupid, and I hated doing it. Um, you know, so he should get an opportunity. Buddy Murphy going on whatever stream he's doing is saying. No, I literally could not bear to watch the WWE, so I would just watch recaps and listen to podcasts or whatever. Um, so those guys are just instantly cooler than Tommy. End also, uh, yeah, the marks are in the back, as they say. So, question from Seattle Finn, Seattle Fern. Would you say Demon Finn worked? Uh, oh, yes, it did. It did work for when it was used sparingly, and also before they put the Cybergoth Raver. Tentacle dreads on it. That was too much. That was the wrong direction. You know, it's like, you know, like anything else. They did it best in New Japan. The WWE did a pale imi- New Japan imitation and watered it down and drove it into the ground. And then it, you know, uh, eventually did not work and it was cringe. Yeah, but it, it totally worked at first because you have a guy who
1: really didn't have much else going for him other than like being very hot. Okay. He was super hot, and then he had this like, you know, spooky or demon thing about him, and, and it hid, it covered a lot of sins, is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, but only for a limited time, and then oh yeah, you know they they NXT fied it or whatever. What's he up to now, Finn? Uh, he po- he posted a video where he was on the street exiting a bar or something, and there was a guy in a Bullet Club shirt, and Finn like sneakily. Like took a creep shot of him and was like, This guy doesn't know that I'm right fucking here. I think that's what he's up to. But he might be an anti vaxxer, possibly. He's liking the same <laughs> anti vax memes as uh as Sasha.
1: Wow. Um, okay.
0: Well do you have another delete? Uh, that put a mite on there. Okay. Um, that's a statement of opinion that he might be Sure. Uh do I have another delete? I don't know, do you have a delete?
1: Yeah, I mean It's kind of a weird episode in that I didn't think it was great, but there also wasn't a lot of stuff I hated. Uh, But I would just say, like, okay, one foolproof way to make Andrade cool is have him wrestle. And I think they kind of failed at that in that they (laughs) did this, like, really slow plotting match with Matt Sidell where there was, like, one or two cool Andrade spots, and it kind of, like, dragged on for way too long, which is, you know, endemic to the... Uh, to the promotion, but just kind of frustrating and leads me more to a political hit, as I've been saying. It just, it worries me about uh, the continued presence of Andrade.
0: Yeah. You know, I didn't hate the match. Um, it was probably a little bit of a missed opportunity because uh, Andrade did, of course, coming out come out, look like a huge fucking star. He's looking jacked, baby. He's got Cool mask. He's doing the cool Naito and Gobernable suit thing, and the you know original and Gobernable suit. He's got the pinstripe pants. Uh, all very badass. You know, comes in the ring with a presence. I think, and a handful of his big spots, which are awesome and got big reactions. Um, and then, yeah, in, in the in between moments, didn't super hit for me. Um, and it's, I also just don't, you know, you spend half the time going, Why is this guy a heel of Vicky Guerrero? Like, he's getting babyface reactions. Um, just uh, still remains perplexing. A lot of people observing correctly, you know, look at the difference between how they debuted Andrade and how they debuted Tommy End. It's like night and day. Uh, and I think you've already diminished what you should be doing with Andrade at this point because they, just seem to have had no ideas. My other thing is
1: just revving up the take copter to say the women's division continues to be awful. They continue to like have this wealth of talent that they r- refuse to do anything with. You know, all we got was a, a mixed tag team match on this show. Uh, and then next week, all we're getting is Penelope Ford, who's been criminally underused and Yuka Sakazaki, who is like an occasional you know, occasionally appears in this promotion. Uh, So very strange. It's just like I'm cooking. I'm cooking this take. It's undercooked at this point. But I'm cooking this take that the only woman who has ever been featured in AEW is Britt Baker. Mm -hmm. And they've never really cared about anything else except Britt Baker in this promotion. Mm -hmm. And the thing about that is that it's fucking worked. She apparently, (laughs) they apparently peaked viewership You know, one of the few times they were over a million viewers on the last episode was during the god-awful tag match that featured Vicky Guerrero and Britt Baker. So people are invested in Britt in a real way. uh, And, you know, she's done a great job in making that happen. But it just makes you think, huh, I wonder if you, like, really focused on some other women in the division or whether they would also get over with the crowd.
0: Well, you know, I I always... I think I was probably the first person to be high on Britt. I know other people have tried to take this crown, uh, but I did go to Shimmer Orlando uh, and see a, a Brit Baker match against somebody like Chelsea Green or somebody and be like, oh, she should be like, you know, uh, uh, WWE stars. Like, she's got all the tools to, to get to that level at some point. Um, so I, I even had confidence that she could be a real factor in this promotion when she had what some perceived to be a rough start in this promotion. But Because, like you said, it is basically the Britt Baker division. They gave her every opportunity to turn that around, to get more reps, to do the character change, to do the heel turn, uh, to get time on every single show to get that over. Uh, And, of course, has knocked it out of the park ever since, pretty much. Um, But, you know, nobody else (laughs) gets those opportunities uh, at all. Uh, There was a good post going around uh, from our, our lovely and beloved friends at Reddit, I think, uh, where they were tracking when a bunch of the people in the women's division were last on Dynamite. Um, and, you know, it, it's like, the most recent one was like, Hikaru Shida, the last most pushed person and the last champion has not been on Dynamite in 40 days or something. And after that, it was like even more severe lack of use. Um, and again, it's not, it, it, it's not and has never been a lack of talent. It's been a lack of care and investment. Um, and it is wild. You see Yuka Sakazaki and Riho like posting pictures backstage. And it's like, you, like they're here in Miami to do fucking dark. Like, that's bizarre and weird.
1: Yeah. I mean, we all know how over Riho was <laughs> at the start of this promotion. Uh, Mike tells us she was very over when she came out for dark tonight. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, absolutely insane. Do you, you're wrong about who Britt wrestled on Shimmer, oh, Shimmer Orlando. Orlando.
0: Okay. Give me a hint. Give me a hint.
1: Okay. Well, she was in a four way match.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Um, let's see. One of the wrestlers has, uh, appeared on AEW programming. Okay. One of the wrestlers is not canceled, but very close to canceled <laughs> okay, people. That's, oh.
0: Close to canceled people?
1: Yes. As far as I hmm. know, she herself has not been canceled.
0: Yeah, does that involve like liking canceled people's posts?
1: Uh no. She's just okay. affiliated with canceled people.
0: Okay. Was she uh, <laughs> was she on dark tonight? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, oh, are you talking about Amber Nova? No. Yes. Okay. No.
1: <laughs> and um, the other person,
0: I don't really know. So. Okay. My my guess was the only, the only name I had for uh, canceled Jason was Tessa Blanchard, but she's just canceled. Yeah, she's so, canceled. She was on this know. show, I've,
1: but she wasn't in this. I,
0: I recall her on this show. They did a bunch of business. Bryce Rimsburg was refereeing, uh, and there was a bunch of business where tessa cheated and a kid caught her cheating because bryce was looking the other way and and (laughs) bryce like went to the kid for his expert testimony and like reversed the call it it was it was like a little girl you know at her first wrestling show or something it was yeah uh, a great piece of business uh that was the shimmer tag title match with mount tessa tessa blanchard and
1: vanessa craven Uh, vanessa craven versus kaylee ray and mia yim yeah it was probably a good match it probably was uh what was the four way Britt baker was in there with Nevaeh, I never know how to pronounce that. Oh yeah, uh, Chris.
0: Yes, yeah, the Chris. Heaven backwards.
1: That's right. Uh, and Veda Scott, who is the person who has appeared on AW programming.
0: Ah. Oh, okay.
1: And Samantha Heights.
0: Oh, okay. So uh, Nevaeh Christ, I I I believe is married to Jake Christ, who is not the canceled Christ, and who I think has pretty much disassociated himself from his brother. So okay yeah uh, Nivea inocente
1: samantha heights actually uh, trained by dave christ though so perhaps she was the more
0: yeah she's definitely ohio canceled. crew um had a really <laughs> improbably good match with uh scarlet bordeaux at an aw show where they really just beat the shit out of each other and might have busted scarlet's nose oh um that's that's all i'll ever remember all right well there you go that was the match
1: that happened shimmer orlando (laughs) 2017
0: it was like a it was like an 11 a.m show i definitely did not want to be up that early um but i think they might have had coffee there which was nice We very you know uh low you know not i don't want to say low energy but you know you could just sit back in your chair and drink a coffee and kind of watch the show as a is a little appetizer for your day yeah, I think I think
1: SB vetoed going to this show and we probably, you know, went to Disney or something
0: instead. So, sounds like an SB move.
1: It sounds like it. All right, folks, baseball and basketball seasons are long. And with up to 400, that's 400 potential matches a month, you can make each and every one matter by having skin in the game over at mybookie.ag. Lots of stuff to bet on. The NBA finals are here. Uh, I think the big soccer thing just finished, so sorry about that. But baseball's still going on, so there's a lot of that still happening. So you can bet on whatever you want. Uh, you want to use the promo code ELITE over at mybookie.ag. You sign up now, use that promo code ELITE. You get your first deposit match up to thousand dollars. You have to let them know that we sent you. So you can place a wager on team player, or just, you know, you're watching something, and you're like, hmm, I'd like to enjoy this a little more. Throw a few bucks down, whatever team you're watching. My bookie gives you the best odds and tons of options to make all your favorite sports uh, a hell of a lot more exciting, honestly. So they don't just have sports. You can bet on whatever sport. You can take advantage of the odds on whatever is happening. Uh, I think there's a big, well, Dan Lambert talked about it, a big Poirier versus McGregor fight. Bet on that one. Uh, You can also use the MyBookie Casino. They got the full-fledged experience, weekly blackjack tournaments, prize pools of up to $50,000. You just use MyBookie.ag, sign up now, use our promo code E-L-I-T-E, that's E-L-I-T-E to get that free deposit bonus of up to $1,000 and start your day off with a win. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Okay, well, let's get to the rest of uh, this episode of Dynamite. It kicked off with a strap match, Cody Rhodes, Cody Rhodes versus QT Marshall. Cody won
0: after three crossroads. Yeah, I think this was probably pretty good for a four corners strap match, which is a tough challenge to do. was, you know, the Miami crowd is funny because they did react big in some parts, but in the in-between moments and in matches where you know, a really good wrestling crowd, like get behind somebody or, you know, do a clap or a chant for somebody. They, they kind of just sit and wait for the next big thing to pop for.
1: I want to say, I'm sorry to the Twitch chatters because I don't have an account. I guess I could make one, but I just can't respond to any, any Twitch comments. I just
0: respond with my mouth.
1: That's, uh, I mean, that works also. I just don't, I don't see it until later and then I'm, I'm fucked. We've moved on to something else. Uh, yeah, I thought this match was fine. Strap matches are bad generally. They did okay. Uh, my main criticism is like this could have been a hotter match if they hadn't done this like weird patriotism detour <laughs> in the Agogo feud
0: and just kept it about this the thing between Cody and QT. Yes, for sure. They definitely sidelined this grudge match part of the feud to do something else entirely and then like tried to come back to it and it was like you can't You can't convince us that you hate this guy and want to kill him when like you spent a month ignoring him. (laughs) Yeah.
1: We got a Sean Spears pre-tape. He said, everybody's wondering why he hit Sammy with a chair. I'm not sure that's true, Sean. Uh, But he says it was because of Sammy's ego. Sammy always thinks he's one step ahead when he's two steps behind. And Sammy, from out of nowhere, hits Sean Spears with a chair and says, gotcha, bitch.
0: This is far, far from over. Just what everybody wanted to hear. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, then we had the the Kenny Omega uh and Hangman segment that we have already discussed. Anything else you wanted to talk about about this particular segment?
0: Nope. I thought Uno did a good job. Uno's funny. Um, I don't know. He, he talks like he's <laughs> his the content of his like. Hey, I'm a cool guy here. I'm burning you, Don Callis. Um, you know, um um kicking your ass in this promo battle. Uh but he doesn't really like project like that. Like he doesn't have like a cool guy voice. Um I don't know, Uno's funny. I agree. I did uh when they did the big Schmaz, uh Michael Nakazawa came out as you know one of the cronies and went after Colt Cabana, and I really want to see that match. <laughs>
1: this led into the Darby and Ethan Page backstage interview. And then we got to Santana, Ortiz, and Jake Hager versus Wardlow and FTR. Wardlow pinned Jake Hager after FTR hit the big rig on Jake Hager while Aubrey was distracted. After the match, Conan comes in, but Tully chop-blocked him.
0: Yeah, this was a good match. I These, you know, we always like the six-mans man, six they do in this promotion. This was another good one where you had just a lot of interchanging parts. That keep the excitement up pretty much throughout it. Uh, and you get to see, you know, a good amount of all the people you want to see, and you know, you don't have to see all their same spots over and over again, so you just kind of keep people fresh. I liked it.
1: Yeah, I just I don't like how wordlow is being handled right now. Oh, but they
0: gave him his pin back on Jake Hager. That was great. Um F on a
1: distraction.
0: Yeah, I don't care. I don't think I was, you know, he, he got the pin, uh, you know, it was, I, I was kind of marveling at like, wow, they've, they've got this Jake Hager and Wardlow thing and they, you know, kind of slow played it with Wardlow and MJF in the inner circle. Um, and then they've, they've even run the match a couple of times. Uh, but it still feels like, Hey, people are like excited to see Jake Hager face off with somebody that feels like. A, a, an unequivocal success in 2021.
1: Yeah, there was talk in the Discord about uh, how Jake Hager is like seems cool now or seems good now.
0: I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I would not go that far, but it is it is funny to have you know white ass Jake Hager in there with Santana Ortiz and being managed by Conan. Uh, that's that's amusing to me, um, and I, it does it does make you more liable to find yourself getting into Jake Hager. I just want Wardlow to destroy people. That's all. That's just my only problem. Yeah.
1: Uh, then we got, uh, it, as far as I know, this was the first announcement of this and it was played very subtly. As Jim Ross tells us, there will be an IWGP US title match next week. And it's going to be uh, John Moxley versus Carl Anderson. The story of the video is basically Carl saying Omega was the first US champion, and it makes the Good Brothers sick that Mox is the champion now.
0: Yeah, this was the announcement of it. Um, they had a good video pre-tape promo for Carl here to set up the, you know, his motivation and, and stakes for the match and everything. So I think that was more than they did for Yuji Nagata when they just announced the Yuji Nagata match out of the blue. So yeah, I like that. I did... I got annoyed that Carl Anderson didn't mention that he was a 2012 G1 Climax finalist, um, but you know he was playing it pretty serious for a couple of guys who are very rarely serious. So, you know, I, I hope he fucking goes out and shows out and has a great match because I, I think he still can, and I will probably always like Carl Anderson. Next up was the Chris Jericho MJF uh, face-off segment.
1: MJF says he's beaten Jericho twice. It's sad. Jericho wants another match. Jericho says he'll do whatever MJF wants for another match, even have sex with his mother. How did you feel about that? That
0: line, Nate, <laughs> just felt like, uh, classic cheap Jericho heat that people go fucking apeshit for. Um, Crowd loved it. No, you know what? I, I I actually can't even I can't even denigrate it that much because. He did uh, exhibit actual comic timing and put a little bit of a fresh punchline on it by waiting and waiting and, waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and then saying again. So that did surprise me, and I was like, "Ah, Jericho's got half a trick up his sleeve." Still, <laughs> uh, I, I think the story of this segment was like, "Oh, Jericho has been, you know, a made man for a decade plus, so it doesn't matter." what he does in his segments when he has a large crowd here that wants to see him, they're going to go wild for him.
1: MJF then, uh, you know, really pulled a trick on me here where I've been accusing him of repeating the Cody MJF Cody story. And he says, in fact, I'm repeating the Jericho and Moxley story and says that Jericho is going to have to beat four guys in a row, uh, to get another match with him. Jericho said, sure. MJF said they got to shake hands on it. Jericho keeps hand control on the handshake and does maybe the world's shittiest J- Judas effect.
0: Yeah, not a good Judas effect. They didn't shoot it well for the first part because you didn't actually see the impact at all. You just saw like Jericho's opposite shoulder taking up most. I don't understand. So, you know, uh, 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 MJF lays out all this Greek mythology stuff and he's going to give them, What, what it, it wasn't trials. What did he say the word was? Law? Uh gosh, five Hercules. Seven.
1: Uh, what was uh, Hercules Labors? Um, labors? Labors?
0: Labors? Oh, well done. Did you did you pull that from Hercules?
1: I mean, say that actually word Hercules for you. Yes, reminded me of it. Ah,
0: okay. Um, he does compute as a kid who like read uh Greek or Roman mythology novels or you know uh, uh, histories or what did you call them? You know those those easy reading books when you were a kid that were like, "Here, here's 20 Greek myths. And there was always one kid who was super into them. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You had of one of these. Okay. For sure. Might have been you. I got Could've really into uh, Gilgamesh. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I don't think I knew Gilgamesh. <laughs> I've only come to know Gilgamesh in last five years of my life from anime i think <laughs> really yeah i
1: i think uh so when i was in like i don't know not quite high school yet i think what G- is people-
0: gogo a thousand swords guy is that his gimmick oh fuck i
1: don't know man this is a long time ago okay um so basically when i was in like what what would be called middle school but we had so few people in our school that we just had elementary school and high school i think and my mother was uh, going to college or going to not college. She was getting a master's degree. Anyway, she had to take some sort of literature class and they read Gilgamesh. And so I read it because I thought that would be cool. That would make me cool. And so then <laughs> yeah. I got really into it. That's basically what happened.
0: Okay, got it. Trying to remember if his gimmick is having a bunch of swords. There's also a Gilgamesh in Final Fantasy 14, of course. Who probably has a bunch um, of swords or. he, Yeah, that's not his thing. He's got a green chicken that he calls Inkidu, which I think is another yes. mythological beast. Um, that's what I got on Gilgamesh. I think I think there's a, a fate character named Gilgamesh. That's the that's the series the Great Ocon likes, where <laughs> you know King, King Arthur is a hot blonde babe. Yeah.
1: Well, Inkidu is also in the Epic of Gilgamesh.
0: Okay, so that's that's relationship there. Yes. Okay, yeah, Thoros. Thoros was the was the myth kid that computes. <laughs> yes, it I is. was my, my my like best friend was the myth kid. So I'd be like, oh, I have like a passing familiarity with myths. Okay, and he'd be like, blah blah blah. Uh, next we had oh <laughs> the wrestling segment. Yeah. So why MJF went wanted demanded to shake his hand, but he did not have the plan to attack him with the handshake. He he just wanted an honest handshake from Chris Jericho. Uh, and was, was hoisted on his own petard because Chris Jericho attacked him. That that doesn't seem smart by the heel here. No, doesn't make any sense. Why did he want to shake his hand? I don't
1: know. It's not like we saw him, like he was about to get one over on Jericho and Jericho was like, oh no, I got you. No,
0: he was turning to leave. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, okay, I'm satisfied with our good clean handshake, buddy. <laughs> Like Jericho had that arm cast on him. So it was like, oh, he's going to do the arm bar on him. That would have been tired, but it would have made sense. Yeah. But no, he just wanted a good clean handshake. He did,
1: you know. Uh, we had Britt Baker and Rebel with Tony. Britt says she was forced to take place in a match no one wanted to see with known conspirator Nyla Rose and senior citizen Vicky Guerrero. This led to Rebel getting hurt bad because she draws money and ratings. She says, you only did this so Vicky would bring in Andrade, and then there was some line about Saudi Arabia, which I missed because my wife would not stop talking, folks. Women, they'd be talking.
0: Um, so I was, I was going to do a bit here where I just did a non-sequitur about mythology, Okay, uh, and then we move on to the next segment. Okay. But I do want to explain the Saudi Arabia joke. Okay, uh, please. It was, it was Brett, Britt, addressing our concerns from the last episode, where I was like, this is. The match that Vicky wanted because she brought Andrade to the company was this bullshit. Uh, So she was, you know, saying to Tony Khan, you made me get put through a table because you gave her this stupid match. You made Rebel get hurt and blow out her knee in unsafe working conditions because you agreed to this stupid match. And you all did it because Vicky bought you off with Andrade, basically. So she was saying, you know, congratulations on your blood money, Tony. Why don't you go run a show in Saudi Arabia next? Uh, Got it. So that was. So that was Brit going beast mode. So I appreciate that. Uh, the mythological non sequitur I was going to do is that Charon, uh, the psychopomp ferryman of Hades, is having a big cultural moment right now.
1: Okay. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I'm happy for him. Happy for that man. But I must say,
0: <sighs>
1: hate to do this to Brit, but she's got this weird line here about sending Vicky to the back of the line. And I feel like, we now have this like two feuds in a row of Brit, where she says like weird things about the brown women she feuds with. Uh, <laughs> where are these lines coming from, and
0: why did they- Th- Thunder Rosa was on dark? They they can't put fucking Thunder Rosa on the television show. Oh, uh, Yeah,
1: please. But you know they did the whole thing about you don't belong here. Like that was the yeah. story of that feud. Yeah, I I'm the last thing I'm doing. It would be accusing Brit of anything. I'm just like. I'm sc- I'm concerned. Like, what's happening here? Why?
0: Well, it's because it's the first one we raised an eyebrow at, and you're like, hmm, if that becomes a pattern, then I'm going to be asking what the hell's going on. So then the next time something makes you go, hmm, what did that mean? Then you connect those dots, and you're like, oh, well, that's odd. Yeah. Um, You know, the first time she was definitely a heel, now she's a heel who gets received as a big baby face. So... Would not be ideal for that to be what they 're trading on here,,
1: especially considering like right or wrong, and I think wrong the you don 't belong here thing was the centerpiece of that story like that 's what they were were telling this was just like a throwaway line that felt like you know Ric Flair saying something shitty about a foreign heel you know in a in a promo yeah
0: very strange i't do i mean it wasn 't even that much in the thunder Rosa storyline it, it, it was like the basis of one segment. Uh, and it was like, this would seem less suspicious if they had more clearly hit the idea that, uh, you know, Brent is mad because she's from the other promotion or whatever, but right. they didn't really lay that groundwork.
1: No. So it's just kind of strange. I, I, I'm just continuing to be on alert about what the hell's going on here. That's really all. Uh, next we have the Andrade match. Andrade won, which I have learned his move is called El Idolo. So I love when a wrestler's
0: move is part of their name. Uh, yeah, JR still cannot say Andrade El Idolo. Uh, and I also noticed during the main event, he introduced Eddie Kingston and his friend here and left Excalibur to say Penta El Zero Miedo. Yep. So <laughs> this guy's got to fucking go. He also just calls him Penta sometimes. Like, Yeah, I mean, that's fine. P- Penta El Zero Miedo, it's not like it's a great name.
1: No, it's a bad name. <laughs> it's a bad name. Uh, After the match, Andrade took his belt off and used it to put Matt Sideow in some sort of arm shoulder hole that Mike would be able to tell me what it was called. Yeah. Uh, There was a Matt Hardy Christian Cage video. Christian says, you know, whenever they had big matches, his team always won. Hardy says, hey, how come every time I go somewhere, you go there? Every time I'm in the kitchen, you're in the goddamn kitchen, is what he said.
0: I feel like Christian went to TNA first. I guess I don't know that for a fact, but that seems like the way it happened. Anyway, I don't care about that.
1: I don't either. Art Anderson, uh, we talked about this. He's with Tony. Malachi Black, I think is his name, comes out, spin kick. <laughs> Cody
0: comes out. He also gets a spin kick. Earlier- cool kicks. I'm sorry? Cool kicks. Cool kicks. I-, oh, I, he- I hear you're a kicks guy now. I am a kicks guy. What did you place a bid on? Oh, those kind of kicks. Uh, yeah.
1: So I basically, I mean, people are going overboard with this thing about me getting into sneakers. I'm not saying I'm going to be like a big collector. I'm just, I just decided I want. Now, when you
0: say people are going overboard, what people do you mean? Because I, I, A few
1: people <laughs> in my mentions. Hmm. And look, all that I want is a, a couple few pair of like cool... Cool shoes. That's it. Okay. So I did some research. Like, if you're just getting into sneakers, like, where should you start? And the best answer I got was like, just get a pair of Jordan ones. And so I've just been looking at a lot of Jordan ones and picking ones that I think are the coolest looking ones. And so I have uh, put a bid in on StockX uh, on a pair of Jordan ones. Well, I just pulled up my app, but I was trying to find out how much those shoes the, the Young Bucks were wearing tonight Mm for the jordan one retro highs rust pink last sale on stock x four thousand eighteen dollars those shoes
0: and they they tied uh bandanas around them yes they did so that was cool okay
1: uh but yeah pair of jordan Ones in in some tropical colors
0: okay well best of luck on the bid
1: thank you i mean obviously i bid lower than the than the lowest ask Mm -hmm. because i want to get a deal you know But we'll see how it goes. That's the hope. Yeah. Earlier tonight, we see Starks, Ricky Starks, in the ring. He's got some security with him. And he says he has to have security because he can't trust Brian Cage to not put his hands on an injured guy, being him. Taz comes out, asks Ricky Starks, what's he doing? This is embarrassing. Starks says, what's embarrassing is Brian Cage. He doesn't know the meaning of team. Then we get this really weird edit. And he comes back to say, he's talking about the FTW title. Where I'm from, the W stands for wife, and Brian, I'm talking about your wife.
0: Yeah, this, uh, I don't know how this played in the building or whatever. This was not edited together in a way that made it seem like a cool or hot or slick segment that really did anybody any favors, I don't think. I mean, Ricky's outfit looked cool. That's all more more wife fucking talk so they didn't they got to put that on the whiteboard backstage where they clear spots with each other only one wife fucking promo per show
1: yeah the w stands for wife it reminds me of i think my most popular tweet which was this i found this george w bush t-shirt that says the w stands for women and i just all i did was type george women bush (laughs) and it got it was very popular uh, So now I'm thinking of posting George Wife Bush.
0: Yeah, uh, that's a lot like the Harold and Kumar screenshot that was going around yesterday. Did you see that? I did not. It's just a uh, screenshot from the movie of Kumar wearing a shirt that says Bush, but it's like underneath it, it says, like, not the president, <laughs> the pussy or something. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody was like, People talk about old movies being good, but this joke is bad. And then everybody was just like, no, actually, it's a good movie. I did hear the Jay-Z song Blue
1: Magic yesterday. Oh, off American Gangster. Yes, where he says the line, money
0: over broads, you got it, fuck Bush. (laughs) That was, I think, the first single off that album. Uh, And maybe the worst song on the album. Oh, you think so? I like that song. I like the album. I don't like that song. I definitely like the album.
1: I like the song also. Don't care for the song. It's a, a a Pharrell beat. I'm I'm guessing, right? Okay. He usually picks better Pharrell beats. I think. Uh, definitely. A, yeah, that was definitely a Neptune's track. Yeah, that's a good
0: album. It is. I think it. I think it went underrated for a long time. And is now being uh, reappraised. I was listening yesterday. So as you know, I've been getting into soul
1: music, and I was listening yesterday to. What was it? It was an Isley Brothers song Mm. that is famous, that is, um, oh, it's the, it's a Biggie, it's a Biggie sample.
0: Okay. Dun, Um, dun, 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 dun.
1: Yeah. What's that Biggie song?
0: I don't know. (laughs) Oh, it's on the American Gangster album also. It's the track with Beanie Siegel.
1: Exactly between the sheets. Yes, the Isley Brothers song. Yeah. So I'm like listen to the whole thing, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is the Biggie track. This is this is good. Mm-hmm. And then that part hits. and I was like, wait a fucking second, what song is this sampled? For, sampled in? You know, I just I couldn't yeah. figure it out. But then luckily, it it uh, came to me. So,
0: I, I I was obsessed with that track with Beanie Siegel uh, for a while. Oh yeah, it's a great song. Mm-hmm.
1: Also, a, a great Isley Brothers song. So,
0: absolutely stands on its own.
1: It absolutely stands on its own
0: soul it's good who knew that's a funny thing um like kanye is like similar to like tarantino in this way where kanye will put whatever soul beats on his albums right or chop things up or have like whatever brenda lee drops or something and then like you'll see the popularity of those original tracks like jump and all of a sudden it's like hey check out this soul playlist and it's all this shit from Graham central station or whatever that people were not listening to before and now it's having like a renaissance uh and it's just a funny thing how like one artist can be like oh i'm uh quentin tarantino and i like this uh merengue song from four decades ago and now you're going to hear it on ads for the next six years Tar- Weird. tarantino did get me into bobby womack so mm. Did you listen to that very recent Bobby Womack album that I think like Questlove produced? I did not. I, I missed that one. It's a little tough. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a little tough.
1: When I heard Across 110th Street, I was like, this fucking goes. Mm-hmm. And I, I
0: ordered, I bought the album and I was, yeah, it was, it was good. Yeah. Uh, Questlove did that Summer of Soul documentary we talked about on the Patreon, uh, but I think also produced like a Bobby Womack album from like 2008 or something. Uh, and the vocals are, he's maybe not hitting the vocal highs that he used to. <laughs> what well, happens to the
1: best of us? Uh, the Blade and the Bunny wrestled Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander. Chris pinned the Bunny with the Big Bang Theory.
0: Yeah, I already complained about the women's division. I already complained, I think, last week about how the only women's program uh, or women's matches have just been about men's feuds uh, recently. Um, so those are two complaints. They've been lodged. I will say they, you know, they gave Chris Statlander a lot of shine in this. She looked awesome doing the 450 splash, you know, getting the pin at the end. Um, so maybe she's the next, the, the next real challenger for Britt Baker. Cause she seems like the, the other quantity they're investing in right now.
1: Yeah. It's just like, you know, it doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> like it's hard to, it's hard to care about it. It is, I, I guess. You know, getting close to August, we'll see what happens when they have a second show on television. That's all you can kinda you'll get one additional match and one additional promo per week.
1: Yes. I, I do believe that uh Tony Khan is gonna let me kick the football this time, for sure. <laughs>
0: uh I I uh I'm I always go back to the introductory AEW press conference when uh they made the big announcement. I think Brandy Rhodes, and she said there will be a women's division. And then that was the audio clip that they you know snipped out and put in like their future promo packages, where it's like Chris Jericho promo, oh the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, blah blah blah, and then it's there will be a women's division. Like oh yeah, you did the minimum.
1: Okay, but what's wild? I talked about this on a Patreon show once. If you go back and see what she said, she said the women were going to get equal time, and you'll see that on. The first card, which was, you know, double or nothing.
0: Right. In which there were more women's matches on that than any card since, probably. That's probably true. Yeah, as I recall. There was the Joshi match, there, there was three. the four-way match, and there was one other, I think. Uh, yeah, there was also a lot of talk about them getting equal compensation, uh, which I'm skeptical about. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, to say the least. Yeah, you had the four-way match. I guess you just had the four-way match and the Joshi match, so that was it. I thought there were three matches, but
0: apparently not. Yeah, we might have to—maybe, you know, we're changing up the Patreon come next month to, to accommodate the new AW show on Friday. Uh, we might have to start digging into MLW now that they seem to be the hot women's product on the American market. Is that right? Ma- made the deal with Dave Prezak. Oh, wow. He's going to handle things for them there, so oh, you wow. know, Court, he's always wheeling and dealing. Absolutely. Okay. I'm willing to do that. Uh, Tony Schiavone
1: was with Dan Lambert. A, a common trope that Tony starts interviewing someone and they just take the mic from him. That happens with some regularity. Well, f-
0: yeah, if, 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 there's, if Tony Schiavone's on the screen, then it's an angle alert.
1: Yes. Uh, Dan Lambert takes the mic from Tony. He says, when AW was coming to the home of American Top Team, Tony Khan asked them to come. But no one said anything about an interviewer endorsing the show. And then he just walks to the ring where he starts cutting a promo <laughs> about how he was skeptical about coming to AW for one reason. It sucks. <laughs> he told Tony, if he wanted to watch good wrestling, he'd watch Florida territory tapes, but wrestling has gone downhill since the late nineties. It was okay. First of all, it was long before that. And this product is unwatchable. Then he does this whole thing about like, but Tony told me and he starts like putting over, you know, the, the product. Uh, and he says, but so here I am 90 minutes into the show. And the lesson is this always trust your instincts. <laughs> <laughs> great line. Lance Archer comes out, gives him a blackout. Uh I thought I mean this was a great promo.
0: Yeah. Um so Dan Lambert, American top team, uh famous University of Miami alum, um, and has been long a a booster of the football program, which is you know, these people that donate to the program. Uh, and then who knows what else goes on. Some of them end up with federal jail time. Um, but Huge points, huge points now, of course, because, you know, the, the Supreme Court, the NCAA have decided that now uh, college athletes have the right to sell their own likeness for the first time in history. Uh, so all the colleges are getting set up with these endorsement deals and shit so they can sell, uh, you know, ads for the local butcher shop and get compensated in return, which seems novel. Uh, but so Dan Lambert is like, OK, all players on the Miami football team. Now have an endorsement deal with American Top Team, so basically he's you know going to continue to pour a bunch of money into the program, but now it's going to go to the players uh, in the first place, and now they're going to have to put over American Top Team on their TikToks or whatever. Uh, so love Dan Lambert. He's had runs in TNA and MLW previously, so obviously a long time uh, you know pro wrestling guy as if you know of course. MMA is for wrestling or whatever Uh, but it was (laughs) I was kind of funny I was kind of surprised at how much of a positive reaction this promo got because it was I guess because it seems like such a difficult task he's like okay I'm going to go in there guy that most people in the crowd are not going to know uh, or at least has not been introduced to them on this television show I'm going to start off doing this you know Jim Cornette impersonation Pete Rose impersonation whatever it is Bill Alfonso, bury everything, but it's going to become clear if you have any sort of uh, communicative literacy that I'm actually putting this stuff over by the end of it, uh, then I'm going to get killed. Um, Yeah, it's kind of a high concept promo to do in ring on a wrestling show out of the blue, uh, but it was very amusing. So yeah, I liked it. Also just, I mean, technically it was
1: one of the better promos that's been on AEW in some time. Just like very well
0: executed. For in terms of in ring promos, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it
0: seems to, that seems to be a big AEW has not crossed the chasm between pre tapes and in ring promos. Because the former are just hit better than the latter. Well, there was a time, you know, like when you had that the Cody Jericho feud early
1: on, you know, I thought they were hitting. Right. But it's... Yeah, I think that was the peak. Yeah, sadly, which is like the beginning pretty, of the promotion.
0: Pretty, yeah, pretty much the first big feud, and that was probably the height of in-ring promo battles. Where do you think this goes, Nate, if anywhere? I don't think anywhere. I think wanted to do a fun segment with a, with a friend of the promotion. Uh, and give Lance Archer something to do because they always seem to be scrambling to find something for this guy to do.
1: I'd like to see Tony doing some name, image, and likeness deals with some Jacksonville athletes. Uh, I think Jade Cargill went to a
0: college in Jacksonville, right? That sounds right. Jacksonville State or something like that. I mean, I I think Tony should... Probably do the same thing as Dan Lambert and probably give endorsement deals to everybody in the University of Illinois athletic program, and be like, "Hey, you guys need to tweet and talk about AEW all the time."
1: Yeah, okay. it was Jacksonville University. Was Jade Cargill's or is Jade cardgill's alma mater? Uh, that's a private school, though, so I don't really know how that works. But anyway, uh, yeah that that should be happening. They should be doing some nil deal, deals. I want to see some do college wanna... athletes in the front row. At Dynamite is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you can get pay, uh, pay what is relatively a pittance to some big SEC guys, you're going to get a lot of people aware of AEW that might not otherwise be. Absolutely. Um, University of Miami, the finishing school for the best and brightest minds in pro wrestling, of course. Dan Lambert, uh, hard and core, Joe Koff, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, and uh, as Mike reminded me, fake sting, Steve Farmer. Oh, University of Miami. Great thinkers. Love to see it.
1: Uh, the AW titles were on the line in the main event. A street fight with the Young Bucks versus Penta and Eddie Kingston. Uh, both the Bucks pinned Eddie after super kicks with thumbtacks in his mouth. I forgot to do the listener delete earlier, so I'm going to throw it in now. Uh, listener Vote UJ, who says, feels like Eddie
0: might not ever get gold. I think that's probably the intended feeling, right? I think they probably want you to, they want you to want it and they want you to be sad about it. And then they give it to you in New York, I think is the answer to that. Hmm. Um, so yeah, not a concern to me. I think people, I think I'm probably relatively low on this match as compared to most of the reactions I saw. I thought it was a good episode overall, but the, I think last week's match basically of this was better. um, They had, you know, they they did a bunch of cool violent spots, Uh, but they just seemed to get their wires crossed a lot, and people were out of position for spots, Uh, and you know, people were trying to uh, talk across the ring to to sort out what they were going to do next, or people were just at awkward angles with each other, Um, which I don't think make it a bad match. Like in, in some ways, when you're doing a big clusterfuck hardcore match with tax and all this shit, like it being a mess adds to the fun of it. Um, But, yeah, I I think just coming off the high of last week's big babyface win, this kind of felt like, "Mm, I'm pretty sure they're not winning here. And I'm I'm kind of becoming more aware of the awkward spots in this match as a result of that. Maybe the guy who came out the best from this was the elite hunker, elite hunker, (laughs) elite hunter, Frankie (laughs) Kazarian. When he when he joins the wingman, he becomes the elite hunker. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, good idea. That's a good next step. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: this one was hard for me mostly because I just didn't think they had earned like a street fight between these two teams yet. It didn't really feel necessary. And I don't love street fights for titles. So this wasn't crazy about it. But yeah, there were a lot of cool spots. I like cool spots. I like, as I've made clear before, my favorite spots are when you're like, oh, fuck, that person might be dead. <laughs> That's fun. And that happened a lot <laughs> in this. So that was good.
0: Yeah, I did like Matt Jackson throwing the tacks with no care, so a good bunch went into the audience. I enjoy that that can happen in Major League Pro Wrestling because um, the only thing close to that, the other promotion, is Brock Lesnar hurling a car door 30 feet and hitting a kid with it. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I like the thumbtacks in the mouth spot. That's fun to see again. Um, they did do the big 450 splash, I think, to Rick Knox, which... Was kind of exciting, mostly because O'Keefe reminded me of the PWG feud where they were beating the shit out of Rick Knox, and then eventually Rick Knox fired up on them and did you know super kicks and big dives to them, and people went fucking apeshit. Um, so if this is starting the slow burn to that, that will be exciting because uh, you know a national TV audience seeing the referee do a dive onto the hated heels would probably blow people's minds. Uh, this also
1: reminded me, this being a street fight for the for the. Uh, titles that Tony Khan said this week that he got a refund for the explosions <laughs> in the uh, exploding barbed wire death match
0: and, Yeah, but also said the match drew so he's going to do it again <laughs> well that is it is good that he's going to go back and do it right except he really better do it right next time or he's fucked um I do wonder what's what does Mega Perek have to have to send the the explosion guys to negotiate a refund from them when you know strictly by the terms of the contract you have to imagine they satisfied it right like absolutely they they brought the explosive elements they detonated them um, how, how does Mega Perek frame that to go uh, you did not satisfy this arbitrary standard for how good the explosion will look. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, because I can't imagine they're doing like a lot of business with the with these people. It's not like you're losing return business.
0: Doesn't sound that way.
1: No. So I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's probably just you have a the son of a billionaire who can probably put more pressure on you than uh, than you're mm. able to bear. It's my guess.
0: Yeah that yeah. that's a that's a less interesting answer, but yeah. uh, you know probably the correct one as it goes in America.
1: And a refund is probably charitable because the the uh, invoice had probably not come due yet. So I expect they just simply never paid the invoice. Could be. Okay, well, that was Dynamite uh, for this week. If you like our show, you want to support it, the best way to do so is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite. As Nate mentioned, we're about to really switch up the Patreon as uh, August comes around and Rampage debuts. We'll be doing basically a Patreon show breaking down Rampage uh, every week. And we went into great detail on how the new Patreon is going to look over on the Patreon. So if you want to go check that out, there's an episode up about that. We also uh, did our Wednesday uh, pregame show for Dynamite where I, on my own, previewed Dynamite. And Nate gave us the vlog quick hits on his own, as he does each week.
0: Correct. That was it. Accurate. We have a Discord. Accurate, accurate, but not satisfying. Uh, Yeah, well.
1: Uh, We also have a Discord. That's fun. You know, we put up episodes on there. Just go join it. It's fun. We do these live streams of this show. And of course, we do um, live instant reactions for the pay-per-views. And there'll be one of those coming up soon. So get excited. That's patreon.com slash everything elite. Next week on Dynamite, Fighter Fest night one. They're going to be in Cedar Park, Texas. Uh, You got the coffin match. Ethan Page versus Darby Allin. The IWGP US championship is on the line with John Moxley defending against Carl Anderson, Matt Hardy versus Christian Cage. The FTW title is also on the line. Brian Cage versus Ricky Starks. Penelope Ford versus Yuka Sakazaki. And Hangman Page speaks a stacked show for Cedar Park.
0: Cedar Park being rewarded for selling out. Seems like tickets are really moving well in Texas. Seems like Miami is probably going to be the low point for tickets in the near future. Um I did they add the Street Fight match after canceling the coffin match? Is that maybe what happened and why they went to it?
1: That makes sense. Yes, I think that's true.
0: Okay. So yeah, give them give them a little bit of a pass for that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's fine in the grand scheme of things. It's just lessened my interest.
0: Right. That it's just kind of a that's a that's another sort of AEW thing they'll do where it's just like, we're gonna do a big gimmick match because we think gimmick matches sell tickets and uh, we just want to put one on this show to get more interest to it or whatever, kind of irrelevant of the, you know, uh, sometimes the, the circumstances.
1: Yes. AW will chase ratings, chase business. Uh, it's not like WCW level hot hotshotting things, but it's, uh, it's adjacent to that strategy for sure.
0: It is, it is kind of nice to have a promotion that still feels like they have to do that at all chase chase uh chase people's money is is probably healthy in some regard
1: yeah that's true they are actually trying to continually do things that fans might respond to positively (laughs) which is novel for american pro wrestling
0: yeah yeah that's true so give them give them credit for that too
1: you're right all right fine
0: I'm, i'm so nice you are
1: nice i guess i didn't realize amnesty also applied to the promotion itself
0: um well no you know I'm still largely positive on the promotion in the first place. So it didn't need amnesty. All
1: right. All right.
0: Uh, well, I think that's the show for tonight. So
1: make sure you're following us on Twitter at Everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate's at Epidesis. Mike is at Fuji. Heya. Yeah. Subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star rating and review on the Apple podcast app. And if you want to support the show, the best ways to do so are to go to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe. Or go to manscaped.com and use the promo code. This is for 20% off and free shipping. So uh, that's it for Nate. I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week.